working with intent. That's the primary focus of today's edition of the Jim's Toy Box Podcast. And why is that? Because this is take three, just getting this thing kicked off. Why? Because I'm working with intent. You might think I'm faster, but I'm not done yet. You might think I'm over the hill. You might think I'm positive, but I'm not done yet. There's lots of living left in me still. I used to be a goer, now I'm a little slower. But don't you ever think I'm gonna quit? I still make nifty moves when I get in the groove. I'm not as why you seldom see me sit. You might think I'm positive, but I'm not done yet. You might think I'm over the hill. You might think I'm positive, but I'm not done yet. There's lots of living left in me still. Might be a little fatter, but that doesn't really matter For after all, most folks are just like me I may have lost my hair, not that I really care It's what I feel inside that's really me You might think I'm faster, but I'm not done yet You might think I'm over the hill You might think I'm faster, but I'm not done yet There's lots of living left in me still You will never hear me sing the blues For after all, what do I have to lose? You might think I'm faster, but I'm not done yet. You might think I'm over the hill. You might think I'm faster, but I'm not done yet. There's lots of living left in me still. 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 Shout out again to Brian J. The Writer, producer, performer on that tune that is now the opening track to the Jim's Toy Box podcast. I'm Jim Bumgarner. Thank you very much for joining me today. And uh, what is a fine example of the Murphy's Law of life? You see, what was going on is I have every intention this past weekend to start moving into a daily podcast scenario. And I'm still going to keep moving towards that. Uh, but things kept happening. And it's like, okay, well, here we are. And we're going to keep fighting through this thing because I want a daily show. Why do I want a daily show? Well, we're going to be going into that in the Dignity of Work series that I'm proud to say for you folks in certain circles who saw when I put the push out about a week and a half ago, um, I wanted to see if it had legs first. And to do that, I put out a call for some seed funding. Long story short, seed funding happened. So the project moves forward. And that was less about raising the money as, again, it was to see 
the validity of the subject matter for the intended documentary and or docu-series that's going to come of it. Its purpose is to discuss where we are in the world of work these days. Following the events of March 2020 and where we are now, two years plus later, things have changed out there. The dynamic is simply different. I mean, we were already going through some changes and stuffs prior to the pandemic. But now then, after the dust has settled and you see what's out there, I don't know exactly how it is where you are, but where I am, I'm still seeing a lot of employee shortages. I've done a lot of research and talking to businesses in the state of Arkansas where I am, and business itself is doing great other than they can't get enough help to get the jobs done. What happened? Where did the people go? Did they give up? Did they get beamed away on a spaceship? I don't know. But that's where we're going to go diving digging with, digging with that series in the dignity of work. Because growing up, again, I'm 48, right? So growing up as a Gen Xer, getting a job was just the thing you did, you know? And then when you did get the job, even if you hated the job, you still did the best job you could. Unless you really hated the job because it wasn't a good fit for you, then you just hop over to another, to another, to another. So you found a fit. And then if you got career-minded in that process, then you'd step up and learn more, do more, be more, and grow inside of a career. Doesn't seem to be the case anymore. That's just, again, the observational standpoint I'm coming from when it comes to that. And I'm sure there's a million and one different ways we can debate that. Everyone has an opinion from, uh, you know, just uh, a lack of stick to when it comes to the past two generations or the lack of care, uh, the demonizing of trade skills, the importance of college that turns out left you unessential in March of 2020. Uh, there's so many things. Or when it came to the government stimuluses that wound up paying people more than they were making, in some cases, double what they were making before the pandemic while they weren't working. So, but that's not happening anymore. So that's really not on the table, but the people still didn't go back to work. That's part of the whole thing. And I'm reaching out to businesses, individuals, uh, the unemployed, the homeless, everyone. I'm going out there to really get some on the street reporting. I want to know why. Because the dialogue needs to happen beyond the headlines which we're going to come to that a little bit later in the show, too. I kind of want to pontificate a little bit uh, about the the current state of the headline cycle. And uh, I think that may open your eyes to some things. Another thing that I'm really tickled about is, okay, I have been on this journey for two years myself, looking to find my place in this brave new world, if you will. And because prior to 2020, and the majority of my life, I have been in traditional broadcasting, be it radio or television, the last decade being all television. And that was an interesting and fun experience. And getting to the root of why I enjoyed it so much, it wasn't to be on television. I don't like being on television. And frankly, I never cared for TV people. If you're a TV people, you know. I think you're on a human level, probably pretty cool. But when in the profession, 
they're weird, man. And it just, it just was never something I wanted to be a part of or participate in. I love being behind the microphone on the radio. I love the anonymity of it. Uh, and I also like the connection you can get with the audience in there. Um, of course, those things are so different now with the Internet and social media that those type of connections, uh, there's no gatekeepers anymore. There really aren't. And with no gatekeepers, any and everybody is doing this sort of thing, which is another reason why I was a little reluctant in getting too far into creating podcasts or doing vlogs and things like that. Not that I felt it was, you know, get off my lawn, kid. It was just a matter of why am I cracking the mic open? Why am I turning on the camera? And I couldn't answer that until the inspiration came in going after the dignity of work study and series okay the reason that that sparked in me where we are right now is that that's what i myself was searching for i was finding my own definition of the dignity of work in what i was trying to do now again if you go to jimsoybox.com you can check out the latest article or excuse me an article blog there's a difference we're going to talk about that later too but in today, in that blog entry talking about working with intent, there were certain elements over the past two years that I was really deep, digging deep inside to get an answer to because I didn't know where I fit anymore. Traditional radio and television was already on a straw, sharp decline leading up to all of that. And as, you know, as 2020 progressed, the one television station that I had been at but I shifted to part-time because burnout, blah, blah, I'll tell you that story too. But it just, the audience had changed. Everybody's everywhere. And there's no one to specifically blame for that because the technology changed. The smartphone that you're most likely listening to this podcast on changed the game for everyone. You know, anybody who wanted to go kicking and screaming and saying, no, 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 it's just a fad, it's just stupid. It's just like saying, uh, you know, 100 plus years ago, the the guys who are making the buggy whips, you know, oh no, those automobiles, ah, pa, pish, posh, those are going to go away. It's just a fad. No one's going to replace old Bessie here. Yeah, well, Bessie got replaced, and the need for a buggy whip maker was pretty much negated completely. And that's a lot of the things about traditional radio and television. And it's morphed and grown, but it always morphed and grew from its from its original inception to where it was at its peak, and then at its decline. A lot of reasons we can talk about that too. But in finding my place in there and through the evolution of the new technologies and communication and distribution forms, I made it a point to stay on top of at least understanding what it was and where applicable, I would use it. And like social media for me in the beginning, I saw it simply as a tool to expand distribution of my content that I had on the television screen. And I thought that was great because then you could get a wider, broader audience and that was fun. But it had its limitations too. But then you see the poisoning of the mind that social media led to. That's not saying social media is at fault per se. Mm -mm. Let me go ahead and move into that. I want to talk to you about the headlines that are happening and this headline cycle I've been watching over the past couple of weeks. This has been longer than that, but definitely over the past few weeks. Um, and it drives me a little nuts. I see the past two weeks, I've really stepped back. I'd already unplugged from social a, a good long while ago. 
cleared my head, felt great. They call it the digital detox. I highly recommend it for everyone. Not going to be a hypocrite because, again, you're using a smartphone, most likely, to listen to this podcast. You read the blog online. And there may be a shot that you came across the links to said content by way of someone sharing it on social media. So I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say all social media is bad. It's not. I'm also not going to pander and say, oh, it's not that bad. No, no, now hold on. It's a slippery slope. It's like any other tool. A hammer can build a house or they can clock somebody in the side of the head and shake them loose the mortal coil. Okay. Uh, it's what you do with the tool. But the problem we face now, in my observation and opinion, is the headline machine that is geared to keep you, my fellow human, entertained is digging to the bottom of the barrel, the bottom feeder content. Because why? Humans, on the whole, still enjoy looking, rubbernecking at the train wreck, at the car wreck. We do that. It's a sick, morbid trait inside all of us. You know, when you're conscious of it, you may try to steer away from it. But even then, when you're not wanting to look at it from a morbid standpoint, your curiosity is there as to what happened. Do I know that person? Oh, how did I just miss that? Thankfully, I just missed that. Um, but you can get caught up with it. And then when you're dealing with topics that gets put out there, the list is almost completely regimented. That you're only going to talk about this if you're on YouTube or if you're on one of the national mainstream outlets, you're only going to talk about this. And that will be the biggest thing. It's like old school, you know, primetime television between, you know, 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. You know, that was the water cooler talking points when it came to the content at the time. It's like, even if you didn't watch a particular show in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, you knew of it just because the, we'll say, limited options uh, with the three big major networks. So everybody was familiar with the same pop culture topics. Well, now uh, we see that the entertainment aspect of things has been replaced with stories of, you know, fiction we'll say, to the news, quote unquote. But the problem with doing news, and take this from a guy who did it for decades, the problem with doing news is news in general, and especially when you need to fill time, can get rather boring. Seriously. How many times have you tuned in to your local broadcast source, radio, television, or even picked up a newspaper? And really put some intent time on what happened at this month's city council meeting, this month's quorum court meeting. Do you even know you have a quorum court? Um, or what the civic organizations are doing in your town, what fundraisers are happening, what new businesses opened, what, uh, you know, what anything. I mean, it's like the most news itself, again, has the potential to be very boring. That's real news. Now, you can sensationalize everything, and unfortunately, people get caught up into those headlines, and everybody wants to share their opinion. Why? We always do that. You know, we talk about it, or again, water cooler talk. But now then, we've got the biggest water cooler in the world that is the internet, and all these fragmented 
little cup dispensers that are social media platforms, and everyone feels they need to express themselves, sort of like I'm doing here. But the problem with it is that in doing so, and in such a wild, wild west way, the human emotional connection to things gets out of whack. Alicia and I had this discussion, well, probably almost 10 years ago now. And I was concerned what I was seeing from social media and specifically Facebook. Because in the span of 30 seconds, you can scroll your timeline and hit every major emotional reaction a human can experience. You could be happy, you could be laughing, then you could be sad, then you could get mad, then you could be indifferent, then you could be passionate. All in 30 seconds, just scrolling through other people's postings, real or not real, didn't matter. But it elicited an emotional response from you. Now, in that, of course, that's where data mining really took off because the ones you'd stay and look at longer, well, they knew that was your trigger, and so you'd see more of those types of things. Is that bad? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but it's business. And the way business works is you give the audience what they want, especially in the entertainment business. And that's really what it is. And now we're pretty much all positioned to entertain each other, whether you realize it or not. But you are. We are entertaining one another when it comes to the social platforms. You have your favorite show that you simply bought before was just a guy you knew back in ninth grade. And you connect it back up again. But now you're watching his show whenever you log on to social and follow his stream. You want to see what's happening in the world of Doug. And again, not saying that's bad, but I do know that going through all those emotions and creating false perceptions of personalities of these people, um, it's not healthy. That I will say. It's just not healthy because say you knew somebody back in ninth grade. You haven't seen them in 20 years. There's a lot of ha things that have happened to you in 20 years that adjusted you from being the person you were in ninth grade where you are now. Same thing for them. But it's harder for us to see that in someone else. You still see them one way. It's your memories. But now you see they've totally flipped. They went from being the choir boy with the crew cut to the person with the long hair, the pierced face, tattoos everywhere, driving a ball of Volvo. I don't know. Just whatever, but a complete opposite flip of what your memory was. And so you have to process that. But why? Why do we put ourselves through that? I don't know, but we do because it's entertainment. You know? But now getting back to the thing and pontificating about the headlines. Past two weeks, like I said, I've pulled back, not really looking at anything in particular. There for a while, I got plugged in hard, man. I was following all the talking points. And then on my various platforms that I would eyeball, I would look and then it would pull me into that uh, echo chamber tunnel system that continues to reinforce my particular point of view, which, okay, that felt good. It was comfortable as the security blanket. Occasionally, my old school journalistic tendencies would reach out to see what the quote unquote other side was saying. And I'd go look and I'd go, oh, and it made me mad because I didn't agree with that. But then I went, wait a minute. Look at both sides. Do that. That's healthy. Do it. Don't don't get caught up. And so I did. And my opinions did not didn't necessarily change again. But it doesn't matter what I say or think in there because, well, it's no different than you doing it. I mean, we can have a debate and a discussion. That's great. 
But to just get plugged into that echo chamber system is where we are now in a very slippery slope as a society. Okay, now I bring all that to the table because, and it's, it's so ironic. Now, I planned on recording this episode last night, but some things happened. The air conditioner needs to be charged. Decided to jump 60 degrees in the span of a couple of days. So the house got hot and blah, 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 blah. Wine, 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 first world problems. But I just didn't get the opportunity to sit down and record this. Now I'm actually doing it this morning. And ironically enough, I had a text message from a buddy of mine making a comment about how uh, the wall-to-wall war coverage has really gotten quiet, which is funny to me because honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Because again, two weeks out, I haven't paid attention. And frankly, mm, this is going to sound harsh, but I don't care. Why don't I care? Because I'm not being told to care. I'll have my opinion when they tell me to care, but in general, I don't care. I absolutely loathe and despise and hate this act of war and aggression that is happening on the other side of the planet from where I'm sitting. But I also hate it here in this country, too. But the point is, I ask myself, why do I care? Oh, boy, that opens up a big, big, giant box of worms. But the bigger question is, can I see it outside of the box telling me? It doesn't matter if it's the TV box or the smartphone box. You understand what I'm saying? No matter what box is telling me something, what do I see when I look out the big giant box that is the window from my home out into my yard, down my street, in my city, etc., etc.? I do not see missiles overhead, thankfully. I don't see tanks in the streets. I don't see passport checkpoints at various stores and locations. I don't see restrictions that tell me I can't go in somewhere without doing something. That's my real reality. Okay, and I've grabbed a hold of it again. Look, it's like, and while this is not true, but it's fun to think about, you know, when it comes to news is actually the acronym for North, East, West, and South. That's clever, but it ain't true. But the point is true that if you look left, right, up, down, front, back, side to side, around you, that's your reality. When you get plugged in, pulled into these headlines where everybody is talking about the same thing, ask yourself, why? Am I saying there's a nefarious conspiracy on the other side of this thing? They want to keep you distracted? Maybe. But I do know one thing. I can't say they want to keep you distracted, but they definitely want to keep you entertained. Because why? The longer you stay on a platform, the longer you stay on a site, the more information and data they gather about you that they can in turn offer suggestions to you for products, goods, and services that will trigger the possibility of you purchasing these said things. That's not a bad thing. Be honest with yourself. Do you like that you're constantly being bombarded with advertisement? Probably not. But it does come in handy when in one of these ads they tell you, oh, wow, you or you see that new gadget that would indeed make your life better. I have needed one of these widgets for the last 20 years. I'm glad someone bought made them. I'm going to click the button and order now. And that's, you know, again, it's that 50-50 split there. But the bigger thing is, though, it's entertainment. It's the most gruesome, morbid 
yellow journalism form of said entertainment. That, again, rubbernecking at the train wreck and the like. But it is what it is. Now, I bring this up again just to bring your awareness to that, to make you ask yourself, why are you so ingrained and embedded in these talking points, these quote-unquote news stories, to the point where your emotions stay tip-top peak? You don't really calm down, and it can bleed into the real world inside of your northeast, west, and south with your family, and that can lead to division inside. While all the while, looking out your window, everything's pretty calm. Got hot fast, but hey, what are you going to do? Think about that. That's why I bring that up. I, I just really want people to think about it because I thought about it. And I'm like, I'm not the only one. So what do you do instead? Well, you know what? I My favorite line that I only heard a few years ago from the book, the Science of Getting Rich, which the title in and of itself kind of just made me apprehensive. But when I finally gave it a shot and listened to it, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. And his main point, which I have subscribed to wholeheartedly now, because I see it's true in so many ways. But we are here to create, not to compete. Don't add any dogma to that. Just take it at face value. We are here to create, not to compete. That's my motivation at the root. And as I plugged into that line of thought is where it led me where we are now. Because I get that to create, not compete. Now, again, unpacking that a little bit, that doesn't mean you just go off on a flight of fancy. And, you know, manna is going to rain from the sky. The law of attraction shall bring everything into your lap. Well, to a point, but you have to take action. But that doesn't mean you compete to move ahead. You need to simply create and move forward. And that is where we go as an offshoot of the Dignity of Work documentary series that is growing, and hopefully everything goes as I'm planning. Again, best laid plans of my cement. But as I'm planning, you'll see the release in June. This is the short release for you folks who have been following the blog and the podcast and everything. Um, speaking of which, I need to make a note to remind you about that at the end. But we won't interrupt that thought just yet. Um, you'll see that then. And in the interim, though, I've been trying in the past two years, actually, I've been really focusing in on trying to ask myself the question, what can I offer to an audience anymore? Locally, it was easy. I did the local quote-unquote news. I produced local entertainment shows from comp singing competitions to, you know, piggybacking off the national trends when it came to, like, ghost hunting stuff. And I produced that show and uh, a variety show type news magazine, more of a features magazine, all kinds of stuff, let alone a daily newscast every single day for 10 years. You know, but I did, I wanted more. The whole time I wanted more. And again, it wasn't a matter of ego. It was a matter of reach. I wanted to be able to take those stories that I were finding interesting and share them with far and wide. 
And that's where like Jim's Toy Box came in very, very handy. Or as far as jimstoybox.com, because that gave me a, a place to sit and be and talk and share uh, without worry, need, or want for engagement. Because I wasn't going for that. I wasn't like, hey, look at me. No, that wasn't me. I just want to tell the story and put it out there. And then whatever you guys wanted to say about it, y'all knock yourselves out. And then along comes the social media, really big explosion after 2010. And seeing how the tribal system got really um, grown and encouraged by Facebook when it came to the Facebook groups and things like that and all the tribalism that, that really was ugly before it got really ugly. Um, anyway, but I sat down because I wanted to get it all out. You see, as in a small town, basically, if you're looking at it from a broadcast marketing standpoint, this is a sub-market. The television and radio stations here don't even come close to actually being in a Nielsen rating book or an Arbitron diary for radio. No, that's just not a thing here because it's too small. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's actually great because it's more personal or was, but it led me to having to learn a lot of things because again, in radio, I, I started out like anyone else, I guess, but I started out just simply being a board operator, running the overnight shows, pushing buttons, inserting commercials, and then hit the big time. And I was able to crack the mic open and give the weather. That <laughs> was huge, you know. I did that. It was fun. I loved it. Um, but then you grew up through the ranks and you're shooting to be that rock jock and you know, do your thing, be the morning guy, make the big money and all this, which is a wee bit of a misnomer, by the way. But anyway, but I did all that. I went up and down and down a little bit W K R P in Cincinnati life, and then television came along totally by happenstance. I never wanted to do television. I wanted to do film, but I didn't want to do television. So anyway, I wound up doing a little bit of all of it, but along the way, I needed to learn things. I needed to know how to shoot video. Uh, thinking first film, but then realizing video really was, in that instance, better. Film's great. Video's better because it was cheap, and it was quick, and it was affordable and accessible. And you, there was a lot of advantages over film. Anyway. But in doing all of that, I acquired maybe too much knowledge. Is that possible? Yes. Yes, it is. Because you can get you can get into the rut and habit of learning too much in that you continually learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and feel you need to learn more and more and more and more and more. And all the while you stop creating. You're just learning. You're not doing it. You're not applying the, the skills that you just picked up. And I did a lot of that. And it snowballed over the years, slowly at first, and then, then just boom into a giant gossamer sized snowball. Um which led to burnout and a lot of other things. And then, of course, along the way, whenever you're multitasking everything, regardless of what the trends were at the time, talking about, you know, got to hustle, man, got to multitask, got to hustle, you can do it all. Um, then elements start to suffer because you're not able to focus properly. But I still had to do the job. And so I did. And, and again, some of the things I'm still very proud of, most of them I'm proud of just because, to go from idea to in the can is still an accomplishment. That's why I don't knock anybody's movies out there. Even the big Hollywood ones, even if they suck story-wise, the reality is a lot of people work very hard to get that thing from idea to the screen. And I respect that a lot. I always will. Same thing with music. Um, I respect that. Even if it's, you know, the, this new modern music machine that is literally, I mean, they're, they're typing in 
habits and trends and next thing you know you have a song and it pops why because it's programmed to pop or your program let it pop well that's a different story but the point is i grabbed so much knowledge and information and felt the need to constantly learn new things that i overloaded on information to the point where i wasn't creating and that left me bitter and confused as to what my role was now because again like i said the television station wrapped up i'd done some other things i'd stepped away just to get a job man do something just make myself feel einstein at the patent office type thing so i did that and it was it was good but i wasn't what i knew that i needed to be doing what i'm doing right here this is what i need to do i was born for the radio uh, we'll talk about that too but i was born for the radio and i missed it but i knew i couldn't go back to the industry because the industry wasn't the same and i didn't want to do television in the first place but i still like what i was doing when it came to creating shows and reporting news so what do you do um well there was all the the options out there now uh and i had studied every single one of them and i participated in all of them i'm talking about from from blogging the social to article writing to video making now the podcasting all these different things that you can do and then when you look on the other side of things that you can do when it comes to your marketing promotion distribution of products goods and services uh it's just a big giant boom if there was a big bang that was it it was a big bang of information distribution of things you could do and i overloaded so in the past month or so i've well again past two years i've been working on a book and i've been like in this book because i taught I put together a course that I taught at the local community college, and I also hosted workshops for kids at the junior and high schools here, as well as teaching uh, Boy Scouts uh, movie making so they could get their movie making merit badges. And I'd done all that, and I love teaching. I always have. So that was fun. And so I was taking all these different bits and pieces, and I wanted to turn it into a book that would be something that I could hand off to a small business owner or nonprofit organization, civic organization, or even a fellow hobbyist of some sort that could help them shave off a lot of time in doing things for themselves. Again, now I knew the perils of doing it all. Not necessarily a great idea. However, when you when you gotta do what you gotta do, you just gotta do it. And it's easier when you've got some information to help you speak the lingo. Uh little side story there. See, once upon a time ago when I first got the bug to do film, and this was in the mid-90s. I got the bug to do film. Again, I'd been doing radio professionally for quite a, well, a good handful of years there. And I wanted to move to that next step, but I didn't know where to start. Uh, growing up in Little Rock, Arkansas, there really wasn't much of a film scene, honestly. I mean, not, not really. Uh, the college that had a film course, it just didn't really resonate with me. I'm like, nah, that's not what I want to do. So I talked to a fellow with the Little Rock Film Commission. And I said, where do I start? What do I do? How do I do this? And he said, get a camera, shoot something. I went, what? And that, you know, I got it, what he said, but I didn't get what he said at the same time because it didn't really get me on a track, a path, a pipeline, as we so commonly refer to a workflow nowadays. So I didn't have that. So anyway, so I spent years doing that, learning this and reading books and doing, taking this and shooting that and so on. Um, and that that was good, but it was like too much information. Again, I got so focused on the learning that I stopped doing the doing. And so that's where I was like, this is what I want to do here. Because again, transitioning into television in this particular market, I did so much more 
and was expected to do so much more in regards to producing commercials for clients and things like that. And for folks in the industry, you'll know what I'm talking about when it comes to the this is that was commercial. And for those in the audience who are not in the industry, you hear the this is that was all the time and they're boring and they're drab. And that's why when you're listening to the radio or watching television, you'll see a ginormous difference between a locally produced spot and an agency produced spot. The misnomer there is that, well, it's all about budget and resources. To an extent, yes. But the other side of that coin is it also is a matter of uh, how bad, you know, what are you wanting to do here? If you're just wanting to appease the sales guys so you can keep your cushy programming job, then you do exactly what the sales guy says, which is what the client thinks they want, and you do a this is that was spot. This is XYZ Rentals, and here's what they do. Come on down Friday, Friday, Friday. And it's not effective. It doesn't do anything. It's not fun. It's not memorable. They want the client winds up getting mad because it didn't get them the incredible results they wanted. The salesperson's mad at that dumb damn disc jockey who wrote a stupid commercial. And it's nasty. But if you put in the work, you can get that agency quality stuff. And it all starts from the exact same location, imagination, a pen, and paper. When it comes to the images or sounds you need to see and hear, well, that's where the creativity comes in to put it all together. Figure out how to make that happen and give that local client as much as a national client would get, you know? But they don't have the budget, so you just get even more creative. And it works. But I want to put that in a book. Because I wanted to take all of those things, put it in a book. I called it Adding Value and worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. Mainly because I would start and stop and refresh. Because I wanted this to be not exactly a textbook. I wanted it to be fun. Um, but I wanted to empower folks to be able to do those things themselves. Because I also saw people getting raked over the coals uh, for many decades when it came to the price of producing stuff and advertising and all that. And I didn't like it. I didn't. I mean, I, I got to make a living too, yes. But I don't feel in good conscience doing it at a rate that leaves people really struggling to afford their ad. That's why advertising gets cut right off the bat because obviously they're not getting, and I don't care what any, if you're an advertising salesperson out there and I know you say this, and if you do, find your soul, man. But, Oh, you got to give it time. Yeah, you got to give it time. Problem is, though, the reality is the light bill comes due before the results of a crappy ad do. Even a good ad does take time. But a crappy ad campaign that they're shelling out a lot of money for that is taking away from other elements they need to put that money into. And then you've got the audacity to blame the client. I loathe you. I do. I absolutely loathe you. I loathe you worse than a timeshare salesman. And that's pretty high on my scale of loathing. But I wanted to empower folks to be able to do it because a lot of folks simply don't know that they can. And they always could. But nowadays, they most certainly can. Your smartphone has more power and ability in it than most production studios all the way up into today. It's just a fact. You can make Star Wars on your phone with just a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of practice. And then you got it. So with that said, that's where I was going. But the book kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, this is not manageable. This is not where I want to be with it. So I toyed around and I broke it down. And I did this and did that. Um, I put some things out there. Again, if you follow the podcast for a while, follow the blog, you've seen like the uh, that uh, 
analogy of, you know, throwing mud at the wall and see what sticks. That looks like what I've been doing when it's not at all. I was trying to get organized. <laughs> it's like, that was the main thing. I wasn't hoping, well, I'll do this and that'll work and I'll run that. No, I'll do this instead. I'll do this. I wasn't scattered in that looking for something. I was scattered in how do I put it together <laughs> so I can make it cohesive to achieve my goal of putting together this book as well as turning it into a workshop and a training course and even seminars and things like that and consultations. Um, I, I want to get paid to do this stuff. I miss doing this stuff, but I want to do it in a manner that's actually fair to the participant as much as it is to me for my time. So anyway, that was the struggle. That's why if it looks like I was just scattered all over the place, I was scattered not for throwing mud to see what stuck. I was scattered because I wanted to get it all together, but there were so many different things I couldn't help but go squirrel and look like I was going in a different direction when it wasn't. It was all part of the big collective whole. So what did I do? What was my solution to that problem? I sat down, making lots of notes again. Paper and pen are your friends. And now then that you've got your phones and notepads on there and you can make notes wherever you get one, you know, just jot it down real quick. Um, I just started retweaking everything. And then I got down to the bare bones essential. I said, okay, Jim, step back. You got to see what you can, what, what can you do? What would you do if you were your client? That's a funny thought too. Just like the roofer with a roofy, you know, a leaking roof at home. He fixes everybody else's, but he ain't got time for his. So I pulled back and I said, all right, well, what I'm going to do is I want to focus in on just Jim's toybox.com. That is my brand. That is my company. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to force myself to do this because that's always hard to do. Don't like doing resumes and audition tapes because I feel I get caught up in that nonsense about, you know, you don't want to brag or boast. But sometimes you need to brag or boast because otherwise people don't know you did anything or know what you do. So I got past that hurdle, that little uh, terror barrier, if you will. And I said, okay, I'm going to focus here. Now, our overarching company that we work under on that legal basis is the Jack Entertainment Network. And I had started in that direction. But the problem with starting in that direction with the Jack Entertainment Network was that it was too broad, way too broad, because the elements that the Jack Entertainment Network are growing into are going to take more time. So it's like, okay, leave that over here, add to it as we go. That's a lesson that we're going to talk about too in the coming weeks. But said over there, but what is mine? And the Jack, because then Jack stands for Jim, Alicia, Caitlin, Jack. So what is the J? The J is Jim's toy box. That's mine. That's my part. Alicia and Caitlin get a kick out of what I do sometimes, other times, most times. They get annoyed by what I do with it because it's what daddy likes. And it's not just about toys. I started out with toys with Jim's toy box because I needed to learn how to blog. And so in learning how to blog and teaching and understanding that it was just a matter of organizing your content for a release on a consistent basis, you had to schedule something. So I used what I liked the most, and that was toys, specifically action figures, and more specifically action figures at the time that were in the Mego company style, Mego Corporation style. They were eight inches with cloth costumes and all that. Anyway, that's where I went. And so I did. And I kind of pigeonholed myself a little bit, but it was never meant to be like that. I didn't want it to just be about action figures, but then I got lazy. I didn't branch out nearly enough. I had a lot of really fun successes with 
the initial run of jenstoybox.com. Um, and it was a great learning tool because, again, I learned how to blog that way. But I wanted to, I made myself, forced myself to push myself into following through with making Jim's Toy Box my number one client. And that's what I'm working on now. And that's where you're going to see the Toy Box be used for what it was intended to be used for. It's my, it's my show. It's my variety show. I don't want just a one-note joke for 22-minute no, runtime. Uh-uh. No, no, no. I like a lot of things. I like the toys. They're fun. But I also like books. And those books are wide and varied. I like a lot of stuff. I look around and I see all kinds of things that I want to talk to you about. And maybe you'll like them. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. But one or the other, you're going to, if you're interested in doing something outside of just the regular talking points that are all over God's green earth right now that everybody's sticking to, and I just understand I burned that script and I killed that wire service. I don't want those things coming over and bringing me. Uh, if there's something really big enough that I have any kind of real input on, I'll be glad to share my perspective. But in general, if it ain't outside these windows or inside of this toy box, I don't care. Because we need to live our lives, first and foremost, and discuss things that matter. And what's that? What's on your mind to create and not to compete? Yay. Okay. All right. I'm going to take a little break now because I really want to encourage everyone to consider podcasting. And when you do consider podcasting, I highly recommend Anchor because... I'm using that right now, and they are great. The ad's going to come. I need to recut it because it's older. We're going to go back in time to December of 2020 when I originally recorded that spot. So I'm going to roll that, and then I'll be right back. And welcome back to this edition of the Jim Soy Box Podcast, where we're talking about working with intent, amongst other things. But getting back on track with that initial topic there, working with intent is something that I took very seriously to get myself focused. And again, the main focus being I was working on a book called Adding Value, and I wanted to teach folks what I know. At least give them a, a what I felt to be a very pragmatic and practical guide to creating content of their own to use for their business, their organization, uh, or their hobby. Okay, and and the reason why is simple. I miss doing it. I miss it so bad. I miss working with a quote unquote client to create something that helps their business. I, uh, you know, and the money was good with clients because they paid. The organizations were equally fun, but they didn't pay anything. <laughs> I just didn't, right? Because I was a sucker. Um, yeah, it's like when I was working with a lot of nonprofits. It wasn't a matter of you know. I just wanted to do it. And frankly, when you're working for quote unquote free, the best thing about that is it gives you a little more luxury than when you're actually, you know, putting, you know, names on a contract and dollar signs and all that. Or that's what I thought. anyway. I know I'm wrong in that. And I'm moving past it. But at the same time, I also know they didn't have, most of them really honestly didn't have the budget to pay what I would charge a client. And so it's like, but I still want to do the work. And that, that, again, is where a lot of the concept of the Dignity of Work series that's happening backstage and this particular topic of, you know, working with a tent all kind of manifests itself from. Because I love working. I do. I absolutely love. I love my career choice stuff when it comes to broadcasting and content creation in that realm, be it short form, long form, television, radio, or stuff for the screen. But I... uh I just love doing it. But I also, I don't mind working and doing pretty much anything else. 
uh, sweep the floor. I'm cool. I can do that. Uh, manage a, a retail outlet. I can do that. Uh, run a movie theater chain. I can do that. Matter of fact, I did it. A uh, lot of things. Done a lot of things. Um, and I don't mind working. Now, I will say, however, if I'm not good at it, I'll give it a fair go. But I can also be honest enough with myself and with the people who are wanting me to do the job. If I suck, I suck. And not you can't do everything. Some things you're better at than others. You can't. You can learn anything. You may not be able to apply that knowledge, but by golly, you can learn it. But it doesn't mean you should. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so just getting back on target with all of that and getting to working with intent in my goals and aspirations and all of this, I sat down. Jimstoybox.com is my primary client. And I said, okay. How's this going to work? What am I going to do to get Jim'sToyBox.com out there? Number one, and this is the this was the only thing I kind of self-imposed on myself was that I did not did not want uh, to have to play inside of the realm of social media, regardless of platform. I didn't want to do it because I don't like it. I don't want to propagate it. But at the same time, I do understand that's where all the human beings are. Where the human beings are is where the eyeballs are, the ears are, that you want to get back over to your content. So I'm still wrangling with that a little bit as far as what and how I'm going to approach that promotional marketing, advertising, distribution aspect on social for myself. I, I'm working on that. I've got some automated things that once I really give them a test drive i'll tell you about if they're good i'll definitely tell you about them if they're bad i'll i'll shout it even louder because i don't want to deal with it and at this stage of the game don't have a budget to hire a social media manager so we'll see how all that goes but anyway what i did is i did sit down and i put together a pipeline my content creation pipeline you can go right now and sit down Oh, excuse me, sit down. Good God. Jimstoybox.com. Uh, and if you check out the current post with Working with Intent, uh, you can get, you can download the PDF and print it off as far as like how my content creation pipeline works, starting at the beginning with the topic, your idea, that's your brainstorming part, all the way down to the final thoughts that you may not have had when it comes to monetizing said content. Okay. Now, I'm going to go through this PDF. So if you're here right now, thank you for sticking around for the second part of the podcast. I do hope you click through on the anchor link for that spot because it does help the show tremendously. And also, when you're at JimStoryBox.com, I thank you very much for subscribing and sharing uh, the particular article that you liked. Uh, leave a comment. I appreciate those a lot. I want I want that form of engagement a lot. But social media, not so much. But anyway. Uh what we're going to do here is I want to walk you through this content pipeline, content creation pipeline that I've created for myself that you will see in action from yesterday on forward. Because I, I myself, again, had to work with intent. My intent is to reach my goal. How am I going to get there? Well, I got to do it in steps. But again, oh, back to the plug. Yeah, JimStoreBox.com, the recommendations that are there. You click on any of them, buy something through any of those. I do get a kickback. Thank you. Um, which that's a whole other conversation too. And we'll have that, but I'm going to run through this PDF real quick, uh, to kind of show you my, the way I do it and the way I intend to do things as we go. And I am more than willing to show you. And this, my dear podcast listener, is a thing that there's, I, I know you're going to find a lot of value inside of this content. And I'm not asking for anything in me sharing this knowledge with you. 
I want you to learn. It's just like many decades have passed now since I was in uh, my broadcast class, learning how to do that stuff and talking on the radio. And it was, it didn't take me very long at all as I was in the class that I realized that everyone needed that class. Whether you wanted to be in radio or not was irrelevant. You needed to know how to communicate and communicate effectively. And that class most certainly taught me those foundational skills that if I've applied to everything else, including this PDF that I hope you printed out or at least glancing at your screen on. But let's get into this. Okay. Uh, again, this is why the book got so big, because every one of these things can branch off into a thousand different things. Quick backstory. 1999, sitting at my computer at home, early days of the Internet, still, um, in, uh, I was actually kind of transitioning right then. I was... Uh, I was actually running movie theaters for Carmike Cinemas and getting back into radio. So it was all kind of happening. I'd taken a little bit of a hiatus because of the Carmike gig for a few years, and I was getting back into radio full time. But in thinking about all of that, and also dabbling with film at the time. So anyway, thinking about all that, and it just really kind of struck me how one idea can go into a billion different translations. Being a Star Wars kid, I understood that all too well very quickly as I got older and older, and then, of course, in broadcasting and advertising and all that. But I saw the, the the immense power one idea can become, okay? So that's top of mind there, and we'll go back into that in more detail later. Um, actually, it's in the starting point, but we're not going to go too deep. All right, first thing you say is tap this page. The first step, the first thing you need is a topic, right? What are you going to talk about? You need to talk about something. So you're going to figure out what you're going to talk about. Now, here's where you just let it all hit the paper. This particular topic, what are you going to talk about? And what all can you talk about in it? Brainstorm it out. Jot it all down. Whatever comes to mind, top of mind, write it all down. You're not necessarily going to use all of it. Most likely you won't because you want to actually focus it in as we go. Because then we're talking about content creation that can be used on a daily, weekly, monthly schedule. Okay, me, I'm shooting towards a daily schedule once again. And so that's where my head is. So anyway, so like for today's topic is working with intent, right? What can I talk about that? Well, I talk about my pipeline. I talk about why my pipeline was, was done and how certain elements came into play along the way that helped me learn how to do all the things I'm going to put in this PDF. And that's where we are. So now we got this content creation pipeline. Start with your topic, do your brainstorming. Now the next step, which I feel is outside of the idea itself, is the number one most important thing you can do, and that is to blog about your topic. The reason why you would want to blog about a topic is that you've already brainstormed, right? So you've got a ton of ideas right there to talk about inside of it. You want to focus it in. But you also don't want to constrain yourself into the next two content, well, potential content outreaches uh, as far as articles and interviews goes. With a blog, it's personal. You are talking to the reader, whoever they are, wherever they are, and you're talking from your point of view. And you're not really looking to sell them anything. You're not really looking to convince them of anything to ex Well, you might be, but at the same time, you're not really pushing too hard because if you're really trying to train someone's mind you got to do your research and in doing your research and your homework that's when you're going to move into the next thing which is the article that's more formal and if you 
are committed to being as fair and honest as possible in your creations, write an article, uh, and really do your homework. Cross-reference, cross-check, research, dive in, look for things that corroborate your opinion or your thought. And, you know, side A said this, side B said this. Find both. Look in the middle. Find the truth. Okay. Anyway, but back to the blog. The blog is the best and most important step to start with because this is your pre-production phase to where, again, you have the idea. Now you're in pre-production. This blog is your pre-production because that pre-production phase is going to allow you to hone in more specifically, but yet very personally. And that's going to also help you connect with those who are looking for this information on a more personal level, a more one-on-one -on -one level, even though they're most likely on the other side of the planet or across the state. And they could be across the yard for all you know, but at the same time, they're not there in the same room with you, but you're talking to them like they are. This is also going to allow you for a blueprint for the rest of the content that's on the list. Now let's just keep moving here because I won't go much too long because we are going to go into all of this as a series um, as in and of itself and really examine each one. All right, next up, again, the article is more formal. It's structured reporting. It's getting down to the basics, the who, what, when, where, why, and how, and in going from there, digging into the facts of the matter as best as you can uncover them. Because that article is meant to tell something. It's not meant to convince, per se. Your blog, in, in there, you can put your opinion. In a true article, let it be. Let it be middle of the road. You've got the one side here, the other side here. That's what it is. It's just the facts, man, from the old Dragnet show and Joe Friday. Just the facts. That's all you needed. Just facts. That's an article. Now, and those can actually, those are the ones that when it comes from a monetizing standpoint, when you have a really good, solid article, those that's the ones you can submit out to other, you know, publishers across the Internet and traditional publishers who may still have something on the magazine racks out there. But anyway, but there you go. Next is the interview. Interview is great because that gives you the opportunity to do some networking, connecting to possibly peers inside of your industry or hobby or organization, or just you as an inquisitive mind wanting to learn more about what you, your perspective is on that particular topic. Okay, I'm going to back up just a second here to kind of explain what's happening. Now, in taking advantage of this pipeline, this content creation pipeline, understand that this process can be applied to any business or organization or hobbyist, okay? Because what you're doing is you're not just being a stereotypical typecasted blogger or YouTuber or influencer or anything like that. No, you're learning the basic communication skills that can allow you to utilize those same platforms that they do, okay? And as we go further down the content creation pipeline here, I'm going to show you how that works. Again, it all starts with the blog. Well, it starts with the idea and the brainstorming. But then you start getting more solid in its presentation and form by way of articles and interviews. Okay. And also in saying that, what you're going to find as you're putting these things together, you're going to start amassing lots and lots and lots of information and con okay say you do an interview with someone if you're just emailing back and forth great you've got that in a text form you've got uh, you know uh, or you're just text messaging or whatever 
Uh, or if you're on the phone, if you can record that, you got audio for a podcast. See where I'm going? The one idea is now starting to find itself growing into possible other possibilities. Like with this dignity of work project, see, it all starts with the idea, the blog stating its purpose and the things that I'm hoping to accomplish and the things I may need from you. Um, but as I do each one of these interviews, they can be collected. And depending on the perspective that gets put together or comes about and emerges, they can become books. Lots of them. See where I'm going? So anyway, we're, we're <laughs> going to have fun. Next up on the list is graphics. And this one is very important because, again, the Internet is a visual medium. Podcasting is still a visual medium. I mean, I know with Anchor, they're really pushing for uh, doing video that will then go to Spotify. Why? Because people want to see you. I, again, don't like being in front of the camera. A um, week and a half ago, I sat down. I forced myself for the first time in two, a little over two years now, to get in front of the camera and talk to the audience. So for you folks who were following along while I was doing that uh, that scatter shot there, um, I I put it out there on YouTube. I shared the links. I, wrote, I, I put it all out there. It was more of a, I had to prove it to myself that I could do it. And I did it. I didn't like it. I pulled it, <laughs> mainly because it, it wasn't where I wanted to be, which is where I am right now, where I do know where I want to be. But I did it. I got it out there. I was happy. I accomplished that goal. Moving on. So, but with your graphics, you're going to need them because it's a visual world. And if you've got a logo for your business organization or hobby, great. You want to have that handy so you can watermark your photos. Because that way... It's not a matter of someone stealing your photos. You want them to steal your photos. As long as you got a watermark on there. Why? Because it's cheap promotion. Free promotion. So people can get out there and come back to you and see the rest of your stuff. And that doesn't matter whether you're just an online content creator or you're a brick and mortar store out there trying to keep the lights on. Okay? You want your name on it or some identifiable thing that will bring them back to you. Graphics do this. You want to use your your existing logo as a watermark, lower third graphic, put your website on there, put your address on there, whatever. And that would be considered a meme at that point, right? Right. And you need those things. But then also those graphics can be applied and used inside of your videos, which we're going to come to that here in just a second. We've got to jump back to podcasting. Podcasting is funny because I remember when I first heard the term podcasting and I got caught up in the word pod. My head couldn't wrap it around that podcasting. What is podcasting? Sort of like blogging. Blog. Still think it's a terrible word. Blog. But podcasting. Like podcast. So I was thinking at the time that this was something specifically being created for the MP3 player devices. That's where my head got stuck. And that was so not the case. But that is the platform, or that was the distribution tool at the time that was most prevalent when it came to people listening to podcasting. But when I realized, oh, no, this is just a radio show. Oh, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. You're doing an audio presentation. Gotcha. Called podcasting now because that's what the cool hip kids say. Gotcha. Okay. But podcasting is great because I have found from personal research uh, and experience that there are a lot of folks who would rather listen to me than read my stuff. But here's the kicker. There is no way. On God's green earth, I would be able to, in a reasonable amount of time, sit down and write a blog, article, or interview 
and touch bases on so many different things that I can do inside of an audio podcast broadcast because it's free flow thought and that's awesome. You do want to make sure that you have a format in front of you because a format sheet will keep you on target and keep you from going all over the place. Okay. As part of this, this teaching series that I'm putting out, there will be things like that that will help you learn how to, if you, if you're not good at organization, don't feel bad. Most folks aren't, but to have a log sheet that can keep you on point will help you tremendously. So I'm going to show you that and what I use and what I've used forever and ever and ever. Uh, that's worked great because it just works and there's no need to reinvent the wheel. And also that same type of sheet comes in very handy when you get to video, which is the next portion here on the PDF. Now, when it comes to video production, video has never been easier to do now. It used to be a big sticking point because like, okay, say if you're in radio, radio's advantage over television when it came to advertisers, radio was immediate. You could be somewhere and you would be able to get something on the air audio-wise quickly. Instantaneous, pretty much. Television, nope. They had to run out with a van full of stuff and then set up the cameras and lights and power and tons of stuff. Of course, that's not so much the case anymore, even for television, but they still have all those hurdles more so than anyone else. And I don't envy them at all, ever. And it's terrible. <laughs> Especially we you can just pull out your phone, boom, you're live. You're done. So, but to do it well and to do it in a manner that you understand where you're putting it is where I'm addressing here. Because again, your phone, your smartphone, I don't care what kind of smartphone you have. It can be the highest of the high-end latest model to the ones that still work on the particular 4G network that's still available. They will all give you the same. They will give you results to tell your story, whatever it is. Now, the level of quality, that's always something, but we're going to talk about that when we go deeper into the video production aspect of things. Here, though, and on this sheet, I, I go through a quick overview of things to consider in video when it comes to length. Because like uh, any story that you go to write, you want to start off with a bare, you want a free flow thought, okay? But then when you start structuring you want to get specific into the who, what, when, where, why, and how. And that's what you want to consider when shooting video. Think about this. Say, you know, and I'm sure you've done it or someone very close to you have done it, have been to a wedding. And going to a wedding, there's normally somebody who's going to be shooting video. It was really funny to watch back in the late 80s and through the 90s when everybody had those big VHS camcorders and they'd hit the button. Of course, they had this thing on the shoulder, maybe on a tripod, and they were running nonstop. And so next thing you know, you're going back over for Christmas, and you're like, oh, let's watch the wedding video or the family reunion or whatever. And you had long shots. It went on forever and ever. And it was like, this is boring and terrible. So in producing video, you want to be quick, no matter what you're doing. You want to be quick, even if like you're doing, now if you're doing a live event, not much you can do about that. You're stuck. But once you get it into post-production and you can edit, you can cut that thing down tight. That is separate. Uh, that's a separate discussion from what I'm talking about here when it comes to, on this sheet, you'll see the 15 second, 30 second, 30 minute, 30 minute. That, what I'm going into here is, again, you keep it concise to respect where your audience is. You always want to be quick because people's attention still. So you want to get through whether it's 15 seconds or an hour and a half movie. You want to make sure every frame that's on the screen 
is worth their time to look at. Okay. So first up, 15 second social media. Now that one is kind of self-explanatory, right? When you're on social media, you're scrolling pretty consistently and quick. So 15 seconds is an eternity in a social media feed. So if you can tailor, and it doesn't have to be exactly 15, but shoot for 15 seconds for that form of the video story that you're telling. Okay. To get their attention, to make them go, oh, that's interesting. Then make sure you have a link to your website or the more, you know, for more information step. Okay. Because if they're, if they stop for that 15 seconds, you got a pretty good shot that they're, they're interested enough where they'll go look for more. And that's where we start growing the length of the video. So like a 30 second spot or video, that one I feel is you could use it on your social streams. Absolutely. 30 seconds is still not um, obscene, if you will, as far as time management on social media. But they're going to be less inclined to watch a 30 second video as much as a 15 second video. So I kind of draw the distinction there to where you can take a 30 and put it over on YouTube and use that as an interest garner now there's a lot of school of thought right now talking about going really long form on youtube we'll talk about that too but um right now the main thing you want to do is you just want to get the attention of folks to bring them over to the more long form if that's what you're wanting to do so like think about it like just any other television show you've ever watched in your life to where the show is an hour-long show but the promos for the show run about 20 to 30 seconds just to get your interest, to remind you to come watch that show at 7 o'clock on Thursday. Okay, that's the same type of thing we're doing here. Now, three minute. Three minute is the ultimate eternity nowadays. Okay, and I say ultimate because there's going to be more of these. Three minutes-ish, you know. That is where, frankly, if you have a story to tell and you believe that it's worthy of an hour and a half, this is what I want you to really think about. Because inside of a three-minute format, how much of the hour-and-a-half story can you put into that three-minute format? I'll prove this. Because if you watch any of the movie previews slash trailers, whichever term you want to use, that are out there, they pretty much cram the entire movie into the trailer now, right? And now they're even under two minutes when it comes to those things. They give you the whole damn thing right there. Boom. Which is weird to me. <laughs> it's like they give you all the good stuff right there and then still expect you to sit an hour and a half, two hours, three hours sometimes uh, through a movie. Mm, it's weird. I, I, I don't know. Something to examine later. But that three minutes is the one thing that if you embrace that format and you respect your audience for that full three minutes because you really want to tell them this story and you really want them to engage in one way or another with your video. If you respect them for that full three minutes, you have they have invested in you an eternity when it comes to attention span. You figure if the average attention span, according to the analysts now, is like less than two seconds. If you got three minutes of their time committed to you and what you're doing, give them something. They'll love you for it and they'll reciprocate. And whatever it is you're asking them on. Okay. Um, now, if you're asking for a million bucks, well, you might get lucky and somebody can do that for you. But I don't know. But what I mean, though, is they will respect you as a creator and as a business owner and as a uh, uh, civic organization leader, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, they will respect you because you respect the person. Now, uh, 30 minutes. Now, this is something that, again, you've got to be pretty hardcore 
in video presentation or podcasting for that matter, you better have something to say with every second that you're going to share with people. Okay. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Absolutely not. I want to see more. I want to see more unique, independently produced series. I don't watch much fiction. I'm more of a nonfiction guy. I like documentaries and biographies and things along those. I love that's that's my that, that's my jam, gang. That's what I do. I really enjoy that. But I would I would be more inclined to watch more fiction and series stuffs um, from a fresh perspective other than all the rehash stuff that's out there. I would. I would love to have that back in, in my life. But here's the neat thing there. While you can post those long forms on YouTubes and Rumbles and BitChute and good Lord, all the video platforms out there. Another thing to consider is you also have at your disposal now the ability to set up a channel on the Roku platform. And I know I don't have to explain that too hard anymore. Seven years ago when I first did it, I had to explain that really, really hard as what a Roku was. Uh, thankfully, that's not the case anymore. And that's why this is a very viable option. For your long-form video presentations, be it 30 minutes, an hour and a half, or however long you want to go, um, you can totally do that now. Uh, and the reason you would do that versus just online is with what you're doing in creating your content to establish your base, your audience, your clients, your fans, and doing using a streaming channel platform like that. And there's also Apple TV, you know, the Fire Stick. You can do it there too. And there's some other opportunities that are starting to come up slowly but they're getting ready to take off and i'll share those with you as i learn more i've actually been talking to one of the companies out there that are doing that and basically what that what i'm what i'm getting at here is there are more companies that are coming together to build operating systems to be um immediately installed in televisions that you buy like with the vizios the majority of vizio televisions out there have the roku operating system on their television so you don't need a roku box it's a roku tv there are a lot more of those coming out, and so there's opportunities to put your content on there as well. So, But there, there are ups and downs about all that, but we can talk about that later. But the main thing is, in establishing a streaming channel, you can get even more intimate with your dedicated audience. You just became their must-see TV, and it's comfortable for them in their homes because there's, there's a better chance now of them actually having a Roku device or an Amazon Fire Stick now than ever before. Because, well, everybody's streaming over the top broadcasting. It, it's it's complicated. Uh, but anyway, but that that's what that is there. Now then, let's go down. And we're going to run through these pretty quick because I'm running way longer than I I wanted to. But I could go on. Now you see why that book was so big? <laughs> why I had to come back and chop it up? Okay. The monetization and promotion aspect of things when it comes to your content creation. And... The, the most important thing here, and one of the things that I was so notorious for not doing, I enjoyed the creation process so much, I didn't care about the sales part. And to this day, I still uh, I wrestle with that. Alicia is the one who always handles that side of things, and she's great at it. But I, I need to be more mindful of it myself, because when I'm mindful of it, it makes her aspect of things easier. So I need to do that because I did it for salespeople forever so why not do it for my in-house salesperson which is also my beautiful wife and my friend and my partner and my companion in this journey so I'm, I'm being very focused on that but also in this perspective I'm coming from when it comes to monetization and promotion is that your content itself becomes more than just talking about hey I want you to come watch this video 
I want to take this topic instead and turn it into something else that can benefit, just like George Lucas did with the Star Wars license. Okay, in the beginning it was about the movie, right? But then he was smart enough to hold on to the merchandising rights. And as such, the merchandise made more than the movie. It continues to this day to be in that same tradition. And there's no reason you can't do that as well. And when it comes to your type of merchandise, you've got physical, you've got digital. And those are amazing avenues that you can explore that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. Then, when it comes to your blog and other solid places that you're going to be, uh, or I should say your rocks that you're going to build on, like a blog and a website, or even your social streams, affiliate links are available. And you can partner with these folks and make some money. But don't get your hopes up too high on making a lot of money at one time, because it takes time to grow. you got to have the audience. And then advertisers. Here's where, if you're feeling really froggy and you want to jump, when it comes to looking for advertisers for your content, ask yourself this number one question. Who could benefit from this content? If you're writing a blog, well, like, okay, here, we're talking about working, the dignity of work, and working with intent. Now, who would benefit from that subject? First thing that comes to me or comes to mind is employment services, the temp services, those agencies. First thing that comes to mind, because those are the people who are looking for people who are trying to get a job. And the people who are trying to get a job, honestly and earnestly, are going to be more inclined to read content that discusses that struggle. And working with intent, that blog, and this podcast addresses those things. And there you have it. So we ran through that. You can go to jimstorylocks.com, and from there, you can download that PDF totally for free for you. Follow along, subscribe to the email, because as these things update, which are going to be pretty regularly, um, it's free to you. And it's going to be that way for you, my dear podcast listener, from now until the end of time. Everybody else, once we get to the end of this thing, I'm packaging it up. I'm going to sell it, because this knowledge did not come free or cheap to me. <laughs> so I want a little bit of a kickback. Anyway, let's wrap this bad boy up. We, uh, if you'll notice on the uh, the episode list, this is season four, episode one. Why? Because the first three sucked. I didn't know what I was doing, but now I'm on target. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode, Jim Soybox Podcast. Be sure to visit jimsoybox.com for deeper looks at the topics we discussed today. Also, thank you for shopping. All of the links that you see listed there, as well as ordering products from the site, those are what keep this ship afloat. And I truly appreciate your support of this journalistic and entertainment outreach. See you tomorrow.